Oh my god. G'day everyone <laughs> and welcome to episode 7 of the Battleforge Gaming Podcast. I am Background Mike and as always I'm joined by <laughs> BFG Justin. <laughs> G'day guys. And today our first returning guest, Alex. How's it going? Welcome back Alex. This is a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays special episode. <laughs> Obviously. How's everyone doing? You had a good couple of weeks Justin? Uh, work was real busy. The last couple of weeks of work, but um, hobby's been good. Hobby's been good, as people would know on the live streams. They've seen me struggling with my repulsor, painting all the grab pads, but I did get there eventually. And in terms of tutorials, last week I finished the Death Watch, the Ultimate Guide. Yep, the audio as well, which is really really cool. That means we've got sort of two two Ultimate Guides in the works. I'm excited about. Yeah. And started the white scar. So I'll do some more work on the white scar tomorrow, which will be Sunday. Chip away at that one and, you know, we'll have we'll have three ultimate guides in the works, which is fantastic. It'll be really good for YouTube. Really for the good. new year. Yep. 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 Definitely. And Alex, you've been busy. It's been a few weeks since we've seen you. Yeah, been flat out with work and smashing out some hobby. Yep. Yeah, so still working on that Black Legion? Yeah, smashing it. Yeah. Where are you at with that now? Uh, I've just done a couple of Forge Fiends, um, but currently just working on a small family, five-man squad of Terminators. Yeah, yeah. So you had those Forge Fiends, which was a pretty big pretty big task. They're all done now. Yeah, batch painting was a pain in the ass. But do, yeah. you think, do you think it actually helped you paint them quicker? So I, I think with batch painting, what I've found is you will tend to apply the paint quicker because you're using the same colours over and over and that repetition. But in terms of your motivation, do you think you would have painted them faster if you did them individual, like the the day you finished and started? Because you would have painted them faster over all the time spent on them. Yeah. But was the motivation still there throughout the process? I'll put the brushes down a bit and worked on something else. Because this, it was there was a bit of hobby burnout with it. This so. is this is what I mean. This is what I mean. So doing the doing the single models can keep that motivation, I guess, there a little bit. Yeah. But you will overall paint your models with less time if you're doing batch painting. Yeah. So. Is it is it in such a way that if you painted one Forge Fiend by itself first, you'd probably still need a break between the second Forge Fiend anyway. So oh, yeah. you're you're probably going to be breaking it up. Anyway, like, would you roll straight from one Forge Fiend to the next if you weren't batch painting them anyway? Probably think? not. I'd need to put a random project in the way just so I wouldn't get sick of painting Forge Fiend after Forge Fiend after Forge Fiend. Yeah. And what's your go-to project for breaking up something like that? Generally terrain. Okay. Um, if, if I'm getting hobby burnout, I'll move on to something that's just, oh, I'm going to paint a random building or something that yeah. I'm planning for a small display piece or something. Is that, yeah, is, I was about to say, is that for uh, like a gaming board that you use or is that just like display pieces? Oh, it'll just be random terrain that I'm like, oh, that looks cool. I'd like to paint it up and it'll get pushed to the side once it's done. Yeah, cool. Do you have a little spot for all your terrain, your finished terrain pieces? I do and it's a recycling bin. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? You throw your terrain out that you paint? Because no, it's just something to break the palette up. Some of the terrain I don't uh, throw out, like the galvanic servo holes yeah. I did. Um, other terrain I just literally burn myself out on dry brushing, so to speak. 
We just got to bring them in. We're going to be doing battle reports, my guy. <laughs> yeah, I they think, I think we'd have a home for them. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. For sure. Recycle them at Battle Forge Gaming. That's it. I believe I've recycled a bit of Battle you have, Gaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got heaps of terrain and a lot of unbuilt terrain as well. So it is something we're going to be looking at doing in the future. It's a ton of work. Like it's an absolute ton of work. Unless you get that stuff outsourced, commissioned, very difficult to do if it's just like a handful of people working on it. But it is something we want to look into doing for sure. Yeah, definitely on the cards for 2024, I think. It's a, it's a, it's a big year, but... I'd say, okay, we'll, we'll aim 2024. <laughs> I think we'll be closer to 2025. <laughs> we'll see, see we'll how see. things go. We might get the terrain master onto things. That's it, yeah. Maybe. We'll just, every time he's struggling with a project, we'll be like, oh, mate, just take a break. Do some terrain, <laughs> you know? What have you been painting? Good yeah. sir. Yeah, so I, um, I just picked up my new Admet Codex. Yeah. I got that. I got Have one. you flicked through it yet? Nah. Still, I just, still in the just, shrink wrap? Just got it uh, a couple of hours ago and I got picked up uh, one of the one unit of the Scatros, the Stilt Men, Stilt Boys, Stilt my, Men. My They're favorite. Men. Boys. They're Men, Stilt Men. The Plasterer Boys. The Plasterers, yeah. Sidonian Plasterers. That's right. We made a, well, Mike made a, a real or a little meme of that and um, it didn't take off as well as we were hoping. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really good. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm the only one that thought it was the best thing ever. I'm like, this is this is so good. But yeah, so I've got um I've got that sitting at home now, and that's going to be very hard to focus on my necromunder when I've got a fair bit of admic waiting in the wings. So who knows where that'll go for me? I I think I'll finish finish what I've got. With the, with the Necromunda and then I'm probably just going to roll straight into the Admech at this point because it just looks too fun. Very, very keen. Cool. So we've got some photos of Alex's work because yeah. we did speak about it last time on, on the previous podcast with him and we're like, you need to be uploading stuff on Instagram and he hasn't. So I took some photos of his work and um, I think it would be good to show the people – that are on YouTube or I think you can view it on Spotify Yeah, so as well. Spotify um, have a video capability as well now. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be fun because we can kind of elaborate a bit more on your, your origin story with the hobby. We can yeah. show we've got his first army here that we can show show a bit of his first painting. When wh- How old were you when you started the, the Ultramarines? Oh, it would have been 18, 19, yeah. maybe 20. But you painted stuff before the Ultramarines. Or was the Ultramarines the first? No, Ultramarines was the first, like, fully worked on force that I did. Yeah. But, yeah, for those watching across the, the platforms, we've got a photo of of one of Alex's first I can see it now. We've got a big screen over here. Yeah. That's why you might see us looking over this side of the, the I guess, the camera. It's because we've got a, a screen we can look at now. So Yeah. So we can see the comments from the, the good people watching at home as well. And, yeah, that's... That's one of your so that's one of your very first models. Yeah, you say? so that would have been one of the first maybe three tactical squads I painted up. Yeah, um, which I admittedly only did one highlight on everything, which I tut tut tut. <laughs> <laughs> I still think when you're first getting in the hobby, one highlight is a very good way to go about it because you can focus on the single highlight, make it better. And then move on from there. Like it's very difficult to jump straight into two edge highlights. If you can't do one clean edge highlight from the start, 
it's going to be very hard to do too. So you might as well just focus on that one, make it super clean and then move on from that point. So I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a, oh. a single edge highlight for your first your first army. And you went with the, the classic uh, super dark blue Ultramarine. Yeah. Like the, I guess the 90s sort of Ultramarine. Yeah, Cantor Marines, more like the old uh, Crimson Fist look. Yeah. Still very cool though. Still very cool. It was like the, the uh, we, we spoke about it on your origin story um, podcast where you were painting the inside of a Razorback or a Rhino. Yeah. Yeah, it was still... Still mind blowing, and I didn't realize that was the first army you were painting. So yeah, even even more impressive that. Totally, like looking, yeah, looking at your models, the the Ultramarines, anyone would be wrapped if that's their that's their earliest sort of models. They're, they're some of their first their first army, as they look awesome. They really look good. And there was Appreciate there was volume too. Like you painted a lot of those Ultramarines. Yeah, look, I, I walked into the shop with a full thirty man. Tactical squad. Yeah. Paint it up. Yeah. Which is pretty rare. Like, yeah, it's pretty, very impressive. Very impressive. The next army you did work on, which we didn't take a pick of, we'll just touch on it briefly, was your Admech. Yep. So you did Metallica, which is the the lighter scheme where it's yep. a, a Rackarth cream type of robe with a red inside. Yeah. It's, it's basically like the shiny version. Like the Pokemon shiny version of of Mars of of Mars, totally. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I, I should have may, maybe when we have you on again, or you can start an Instagram and take some photos of your stuff. Yeah. Um, we can show the people. But the next stuff is your current project, which is super super impressive, and the first image I think we have was Harkin, maybe. Is it? Uh, uh, that's a. Oh, we've gone to the Caradron Overlord. Yeah. Uh, um, not Kakaradon. Kakaradon, yeah. So when the Primaris Marines released, we all picked up a Intercessor model. There's like four or five of us and we all did a test model on them. And Alex went wild and did a, a, a um, Kakaradon and then started to work on a small force. Yeah. And this is your... Gravis Captain. Gravis Captain. So that's, Heavily converted. Yeah, he's from the... What was the the box set called when Primaris released? Dark, oh, Ven- Dark Vengeance? Maybe Dark Vengeance. Yeah. Uh, he's the Gravis Captain from the Dark Vengeance box, which um, comes with, I believe it was a Relic Blade and just the regular Gravis Fist, Yeah. which I then proceeded to cut up a Lightning Claw, give him Lightning Claws to try and fit in with the whole Tybris look and gave him a Chain Axe because Chain Axe is the best. Chain Axe is the best. <laughs> And End you of story. You, you did heaps of freehand with the tribal. Yeah, all over his armor. Um, really just experimented with trying to get the tribal style down pat with him. Um, and yeah, just really, really got into it hard. Yeah, standard Alex. I didn't take a, a photo of this model, but standard Alex. What did you paint? Did you paint the five man squad first? Yeah, I did the five man squad first. And then this guy. And then a repulsor. Yeah. So people are watching me paint a repulsor, like hating life at some points, which we'll touch on later. But you, this is where it's super impressive for me with you is you, when you jump in, you just, it doesn't matter what the project is. You're like, you dive in. And for the third sort of unit to be a repulsor is, is a little bit crazy, but it, it looked fantastic. And it sat in Games Workshop Ringwood for 
years. 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 This little this little squad of a repulsor, five guys and a and a gravis captain. And even that in a cabinet, like three units looked impressive. Yeah, the, the tribal stuff on the repulsor as well looked so nice. It's so cool that that's free end. Very cool. Now we're on Black Legion though. The Correct? bread and butter. The bread and butter. <laughs> <laughs> So it is Harkin now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, or there's Master of Possession as well in there. There we go, Harkin. We muted this reel, didn't we? Yeah. We muted all the reels? Surely. Just checking beforehand? No, no, we're safe. We're, we're good. We're getting better. We're getting better, guys. Yeah. Cool, cool. So is he in your arc list at all, Harkin? Not at all. No. Still a cool model. Is Do you think that's something you're going to expand on? I think you're going to do like 2,000 points of your Black Legion and maybe... Have some raptors come down. I hopefully they bring out some new raptors because they're yeah. a little bit dated now. They're they're little squat boys now, unfortunately. But Harkin himself, the world claimer, is a very very impressive model that I would someday. Well, I was going to convert one of those into a night lords. That'd be amazing, chaos lord, with um, a relic which I can't say on the podcast. Unless I say it really slow. We'll try and do it really slow. So there used to be a relic for the Night Lords. And it was dual lightning claws. And they were called the Claws of the Black Paws Hunt. Nice. Yeah. And um, I wanted to do a conversion with with two lightning claws. And I think Harkin would be a really cool model for that. Real good basis for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome pose, isn't it? Very aggressive. Good reel too, whoever filmed that. <laughs> yeah, good job, mate. <laughs> um, next up, tell us about this next model. So this is the Master of Possession. Um, he came out with the s- initial release of the chumped up uh, Chaos Marines uh, with the release of the Venom Crawlers and all that. Um, is this guy on your list? No. Still not on the list. Okay. It's uh, tough to make this list. <laughs> what? Uh, the reason I asked you what, he's, who, what the next model was is because I always forget his name. Oh, yeah. But um, that I, I think for a long time, it was almost over a year, they didn't have that model available separate. So the only way you could get it was through the whole box. So people, and he was, he was a very strong model. Like he, he synergized well with a lot of demon engines. Yeah. So um, he was difficult to get hold of. I actually gave one to one of my friends and he gave me a model back. So we're, we're even, but very hard model to get hold of at, at, at certain stages. Um, why isn't he in your list? No room. <laughs> well, we have got something that's in your list. Yep. Uh, and these are some recently finished projects of mine. Finished as of four hours, five hours. <laughs> five, five hours ago. Did you just finish them today? Yeah, finished uh, painting on the black lining on the rim. So this is a this is a forge fiend that you've been working on since the last yes last, last, po- pod- last podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've played I've played against these things. They chunk. They are terrifying on the tabletop, especially when there's three of them and they're all armed with those ectoplasma cannons. They just, they remove anything and everything. Their profile is such a good profile. Strength 10? Yep, strength 10. Negative 3? D3 damage. 
D3 damage, D3 shots apiece yep. with blast. So when you shoot at a five-man squad, one extra hit. When you shoot at a 10-man squad, it's two extra hits. Yeah. Uh, Something along those yeah. lines. Something along those lines. Either way, if they shoot at a blob, they destroy the blob. If they shoot at elite units, they destroy the elite units. And the strength 10 is strong enough that it'll wound dreadnoughts on fours, like a lot of vehicles on fours or threes. So they are a very, very good unit in the in the Chaos Codex. And I'm only just going off, off base sort of data sheets. But um, I'm sure there's ways you could synergize like marks of chaos and characters around them to to make them even stronger oh absolutely like instant take mark at nurgle just so you get that stealth bonus with the uh stratagem so stealth is negative one hit negative one to hit outside of 12 either way yeah harder to hit forge fiends is a good thing do they get sustained hit somehow yeah with dark packs so if you take a leadership test um, during your turn, you get a dark pact, regardless of what the leadership test is. If you fail the leadership test, it is um, D3 mortal wounds. Mortal wounds, yeah. So they become even better with the sheer amount of shots they have with sustained hits. So anyone looking at Chaos that wants an extremely flexible unit... That's um, the one. They're good. How many points are they, do you know? Oh, I wouldn't know off the top of my head. Maybe someone in chat can find out. But they're in the list. They are. That's three of them. Sure. three of them and they just, they're scary. They are actually scary. That is scary. They look awesome. You did an amazing job painting that one, mate. Like, Appreciate it. They look really good. And the real the real shows them off pretty nice as well. So good job there, Justin. Good camera work. Yeah. <laughs> it's all warp magic. It's all warp magic. <laughs> Beautiful. So that pretty much catches us up to date. You've been, you've had a successful few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's it? What's next on the on the table for you? Uh, the five man Terminator squad finishing those boys off. Yeah, batch painting them again. Yep. Yeah. This time not with a crazy amount of um, detail. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Bit bit easier. Bit easier going than. Oh, much easier. Much much easier. Yeah. When's When's Abaddon? Right at the end. So, so we got the three Forge Fiends. They're finished. Yep. The Terminators are on the go. There's a Halbrut? Uh No, not anymore. He's Lord been, Discordant. Yep, Lord Discordant, which I've already got painted up. And Abaddon. And a tech, uh, Warpsmith. Warpsmith. Very, very elite, elite army. Can you target the Warpsmith if he's near vehicles? Or he gets mm, line operative? He gets line operative. Such a good rule. Such a good rule. It's a tough list of verse. It is, a, it is an actual tough, tough list of verse. Are you saving, are you saving Abaddon... For last because you're excited and looking forward to painting that or not? I'm saving him for last so that I can spend the most amount of time that I need to get him up to a point where I'm happy with how he looks. Nice. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, that pretty much brings us into the the main chunk of our, our podcast, I think. So this is going to be round two of our must-know tips. So something that we've been thinking of since episode two we wanted to cover any any other little points we might have missed to help out people who are just getting into the hobby those that have been around for a few years and 
you know, might have missed some easy tips to make their life a little bit. Yeah, I think this is probably aimed a little bit more at beginners and intermediate. Totally. Probably a, a little bit more advanced, but there's uh, beginners could easily use these tips as well, uh, which are going to be tough to think off the top of our head. We might just go over a few of the ones we did in the previous episode. If people want to watch that, it was episode two. Yeah, episode two with Mark. With Mark. Yeah. So we went over basics of, of stuff like getting lamps for your like adequate light, wet palettes, especially if you're in Australia, good quality brushes because they they do help out immensely. And we obviously we elaborate on all this type of stuff and why you should get it. Uh, a few building tips, I think. Yeah. Yeah, paint handles. Paint handles, even the BFG patented paint yeah, handles. The, the blue tack, yep. poster tack, yep. sticky tack. Yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah, so my first one, I think, um, was was going to start off with, with edge highlighting because that's sort of a little bit more, not so much beginner. I mean, people people start out edge highlighting for sure. but I, I think it's a fantastic thing for people to try yeah. when they first start because it can be a very intimidating prospect. Um, maybe once you've started painting a little bit, Maybe having a, um, if you I have guess, no, I, no expectations, maybe. I guess almost like some ignorance when it comes, ignorance is bliss, like not knowing about edge highlights and you sort of just jump in. Whereas people that have been in the hobby for a little bit and have only done like the basics and start seeing people do edge highlights online can be a little bit intimidated by it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you've only just started off with, yeah, the basics, not edge highlighting, for example. Whereas for me, like I'm definitely under the ignorance is bliss category because I rolled up to paint with you and you're like, okay, we'll base it and then straight into starting starting highlighting. And because I've seen your work and that's sort of, that was my, I was in a bubble per se of just only knowing your 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 style of work. I just expected that, okay, that's the next process. I just start start highlighting. So it wasn't. I didn't have any preconception as to how much effort it was going to be or anything like this. I just like, yep, okay, that's what I do now. <laughs> yeah, there was no fear. No, fear no, no it. fear or or um, anxiety around it at all because I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I think with the edge highlights comes another tip, and we'll we'll continue on with the edge highlights. But I think it, another good tip is having confidence in yourself as a painter because. Often people will have a, a fear of failure to the point where they won't even begin. And it's, it's hard to, I guess it's hard to try and get people to overcome that. But it really is something to just, you got to remember you're using paint. You can fix stuff up, right? So like with edge highlights, for example, there's a, there's a lot of people that, the heavy metal painters, the guys that you see on Instagram will just say the 1% painters, you know, the ones that sort of get fed towards you and people are like, hey, everyone paints like that. The highlight reel. Yeah, not not everyone paints like that. But um, those, like we tidy up edge highlights all the time and that's how you get a consistent edge highlight is because you go back and you fix that primary edge highlight, you fix that secondary edge highlight, you just use the previous colours to, to tidy up your edge highlights. To the point where it just looks like it's a nice straight line that you painted in one go, which you did not do in one go at all. Yeah. Well, like totally people would see your work 
and you'd be the same, Alex. Like they they would see your work and they'd just be like, oh, must be nice to be able to just go around the edges with a perfectly straight line every time. But that's totally not the situation. Like you'll be you may you may get some straight lines, but you definitely go back and and yep. touch up any anything that's a bit wobbly or a bit thick. If people that watch your live stream, they see it all the time. You're like, oh, that's a bit thick on that one. I'll go back and yeah, yeah, tidy that up. And then there's sometimes where you have the opposite, where you're like, uh, uh, a lot of these tips are all going to be pushed together as well, which we might at the end just give like a little a little rundown of like a a number system. But sometimes you'll you want to go with that paint to completion type of mentality where an example was I've been painting my grav pet pads recently for the repulsor and I zoomed in really close and there's some edges that aren't perfectly square. They're not all even, but you do get a cheerleader effect eventually when you finish everything on the tank and there's a couple of edge highlights that aren't the same thickness as all the other edge highlights. You don't see them unless of course you're painting a golden demon which is a different a different yeah. type of painting altogether. Golden Demon are all the most elite painters in the world painting a specific style of heavy metal to the point where basically everyone is a winner. It's the person who makes the least amount of mistakes. Yeah. That that generally wins. Like that's how that's how close that is. Yeah. It's the best of the best. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you're painting a, a tabletop army Try and get good at doing your edge highlights, but don't don't always be so caught up like, oh, this needs to be perfect, which again goes back to having that confidence to paint or um, not even beginning your painting because you're like, I, I want to be perfect, but you're never going to be perfect unless you put that put that effort in. And you have to, everyone starts somewhere, like no one's first edge highlight was great. You just... You just have to start and then you'll get better over time. Like Alex, did you did you just start with your um with your first models that you ever painted? Did you start with edge highlighting or was that something you found later? Well, I, I had a brilliant system of YouTube videos yeah. that I'd go to and be like oh, how to paint a space marine. And just search that up, watch Duncan Rhodes as a really good um People don't need to watch Duncan Rhodes anymore. There's plenty of those over on the Battleforge gaming. <laughs> no, nah, Dun- Duncan's great. Duncan. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So you you went especially with like the Ultramarine Army. Yeah, you just how to paint Ultramarines on YouTube and through many videos. There's edge highlighting, edge highlighting, edge edge highlighting. Yeah. So everyone's talking about it. Why not give it a go? Yeah, yeah. So would you say you were almost in a bubble like me? You just sort of that was the expectation, and you're like, oh, okay, we just edge highlight. Yeah, we we do this now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's all right. Did you how do you how did your first edge highlight go? Not great. When I look <laughs> back on it now, um, definitely really chunky. Yeah. Or um, inconsistent. Yeah, really patchy as well. Yeah. I bet looking back though, do you still have that model? Oh, the first model I painted. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't tell you which one was the first. Yeah. 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 It's one of the blue boys. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah. Looking back, I don't. I reckon every painter that's been painting for a few years. I know you've said you wish you had your the first model you painted. Yeah, for sure. I, I regret that. Like, I get asked so many times, "What was your first model?" And I can only ever show them a model that I painted a year into my hobby. Yeah, with the help of this, 
book right here. From Games Workshop. From Games Workshop. Yeah, it's not a it's not a BFG plug right now. It's not a BFG <laughs> plug. It's a Games Workshop plug. Please yeah. please sponsor us. No, um, so this How to Paint Citadel Miniatures book came with a a DVD, which I watched. I think it was Adam Troke was the guy that was narrating the the DVD. But my first model that I did a edge highlight on was a Dark Angel and I followed the actual guide in here. People are going to struggle to see the pics. But it basically told people to do two edge highlights from the start and you would do a, a full warpstone edge highlight and then follow up with a moot green edge highlight, so the super bright green edge highlight and only hit the edges of the model, which I did. I followed this this to a T. And at that point of of when I was trying to improve as a hobbyist. I don't know whether I didn't go to visit YouTube to find tutorials or they just weren't overly existent. I'll keep that up there for Games Workshop. Um, but this was extremely helpful, like very, very helpful. And they they touch on multiple points. They talk about some tyranids in here. So they... They go through the the smaller bugs, so like the termagants, and then they go up to the warriors, and then the, I think Morlock, and they they suggest that people just do the typical feathering of the carapace, but less detail on the smaller bugs. So when you get the big bugs, you start doing more detail. You add like extra highlights on the feathering, and then you keep the smaller guys super basic because you're going to paint like sixty, ninety, one hundred. Yeah. Like you're going to paint a lot of those, those small little bugs. And I suppose you can take that, that idea and put it across all your armies. If you're wanting to paint at a, I guess, a certain speed, like you could paint intercessors with one edge highlight and then you could paint your heroes with two edge highlights. And it would be, it'd be far more obvious on space Marines, but it could still work. Like it could still work and you can always go back and do a second edge highlight on them. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a fantastic book. Like that's what got me wanting to do heavy metal. And this was, it wasn't even teaching how the heavy metal guys do it. That was just teaching basic edge highlight stuff. So, yeah. How far into your hobby journey? Were you, were you anxious at all to start edge highlighting? Were you keen? No, nah, no. Nah. I think um, as a person, I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist, but... If I, if I jump into a hobby or a sport or anything, I want to be good at it. I don't have to be the best, but I want to be really, really good at it. And I knew that it was something I just had to try. And maybe that was, I don't even, maybe the Dark Angel wasn't my first edge highlighter model. I think I might have done some tower with edge highlights. But again, like Alex, mine were inconsistent. They were a little bit chunky and... It was just like it's something you need to work on. It was it was twelve years ago. Yeah. So it's the thing that people don't often think about how long it takes to to get good at edge highlights. And there are people that have painted for like a year and they're already doing fantastic edge highlights. They're they're out there. Yeah. But they put the work in. There's only one way to do it. And that's to put paint on the model. Don't be one of the people that's 
so afraid to paint your models and constantly says, I'm going to save that hero until I'm a better painter. I'm going to save that army in particular. I'm going to start that army when I'm a better painter because I've heard multiple people say the same thing and they don't, they, they haven't painted that hero yet. They haven't painted that army yet and it's been years. So you've got to jump in at some point, just jump in and you can, you can always buy new models. You can always strip new models and it's probably a little bit of ignorance. I know that finances can come into it. But, uh, yeah, what, you're just going to have that model sit there grey forever? you gotta, you got to put some paint on it. Yeah, and you're obviously saving that model because you want to because you want to do a good job on it. So, it means you like that model in particular. So, when you do go to paint it, if you do it sooner rather than later, you'll probably be more motivated to paint you might even paint more often just because you're painting a model that you like. So I think, yeah, don't hold off on painting something just because you want to be better. You'll be a better painter by painting it. Yep, for sure. Definitely. Yep. And when you are painting, paint to completion, like we said before, don't don't paint for perfection, paint for completion. This is something and we've discussed with my, me personally. Yeah, here we have. And it's. I think what you need to do is Finish your model off and then you can really analyze the areas you want to work on. Don't work on the whole thing all at once because that is really hard. That is very hard to do. Look at it. Look at your model and be like, cool. The things I need to work on is being clean with my paint. Some of my black from my bolt gun has got on the power armor of my marine or like the under armor on the back of the leg is, isn't as tidy as it should be. Tidy all that stuff up it makes a huge difference that people generally don't think it it does, but it makes a massive, massive difference. If you separate all your colors and they're exactly where they need to be, like a coloring book, just take your time, tidy it up and and pick other points you need to work on. You might need to work on your edge highlights and that goes hand in hand with tidying up your where you're blocking in all your colors because you can tidy up your edge highlights at the same time. So just pick like three things you need to improve on. Do that on the next model. That's why battle line models are really good. Intercessors. You've got a pack of 10 of them. Start on one. Paint that thing all the way through. Doing the best you can. Look at it. And then make your mind up what you want to improve on the next one. And then try that. And then move on to the next one and try and improve that one. And I almost guarantee if you do that from intercessor number one to intercessor number 10, they'll be completely different models. Yeah. As someone that paints large forces, Alex, do you find, do you subscribe to the paint to, paint to completion sort of mentality? Like you, you understand that you may not get everything perfect every time, but you sort of keep going through to finish, to make sure you finish that model at some point. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's very few projects that I'd, I'd, sit there and go, I can't physically finish this model. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I need to get the model done. Sure, there won't be everything to the certain points I would be happy with, but it's it's hard getting to that point. Yeah. I think to clarify on the painting to completion, um, it's it's not so much like 
you're bashing out a a three color based army for a tournament. We're not talking about that. We're talking about completing a model, like putting the transfers on it, doing the edge highlights, doing all the the details. Like if they've got purity seals, if they've got little scrolls on them, like paint it to completion, and then and then you know do your analysis of your model. If you if you're just wanting to do a, a three colors based army for a tournament, that's a different chat. Yeah, yeah. I think the way the way I look at it is like I could keep going over because I'm still learning to paint and things like that. I could go over and over on the same model and never really finish that model because I'm still trying to improve my edge highlight, my first edge highlight, my second edge highlight, what have you, even just cleaner base coating and stuff like that. But I'll never ever have a usable army with that mentality. Like I'll, I do have to, okay, this is as good as I can paint right now move on to the next step, keep progressing that model, finish that model. And by the end of that model, I will have learned a few things. I'll know what to do better next time, move on to the next model. Yeah, well, doing edge highlights themselves and doing a tidy up, two different steps. You improve at edge highlights by doing more edge highlights. You don't don't necessarily improve at edge highlights by doing a tidy up afterwards. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like... You just want to keep doing edge highlight after edge highlight. And then you'll end up doing less tidy up that way. Yeah. Yeah. The more time you spend edge highlighting, the better you're going to get. So Correct. Yeah. Which, yeah, we've touched on it a bit now. Um, the tidy up, tidy up stage. Like don't be afraid to to go back, tidy up your, your edge highlights. Is that something you do with your painting? Oh, often. Yeah. Yeah. Often I find, oh, crap, I've brushed over a non-metallic part with the metallic paint. Um, so you find yourself either quickly going back with a wet brush trying to tidy that up yeah, or just having a re-block in the panel. Yeah. Yeah, and it just it just happens. doesn't matter how long you've been painting. There might be some, some wizards out there that can do it perfectly every time, but I don't know. I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> no. Well, I think that that's a, that's a good point to make with it takes as long as it takes. Don't be caught up with how long it takes someone else to paint a model. You could ask a question and be like, hey, man, how long does it take you to paint an intercessor? And I, I tell people it takes me 17 hours to do an intercessor and people are like, whoa, that's crazy. But it's like that's just how long it takes me to paint it, right? Don't don't be caught up with how long other people take. There could be someone that paints to my quality that does it quicker. Could be someone that paints my quality that takes longer. Yeah, everyone's individual as an artist, as a hobbyist. Don't be caught up with how long it takes someone else. Just take your time and, yeah, it takes as long as it takes. I think the reason we, we sort of highlighted this topic for for this podcast as well is you've had a few people approach you through your social media and they're saying thanks to watching your live streams and watching you paint, it's actually given me the courage to try my first edge highlighting and try and step up their personal painting, yep. which I think is just so great and should really be um, commended to have that mentality and be like, yep, I'm going to try something out of my comfort zone for the first time ever. Yeah, I think I can't remember, can't remember his name, but received a message yesterday. And he was like, I've been in the hobby for 20 years and I haven't really done any serious edge highlighting. And he's like, and now I'm jumping in because I've been watching your stuff. So it yeah. is uh, it's quite humbling. 
It's quite That's humbling. fantastic. And do you have any tips uh, for those starting out highlighting for the first time? Like um, I remember the first one you taught me was how you brace your arms on something when, yeah, you're, when you're going sure. into highlight. So the steadier you can make your hand, the better your edge highlights are going to be. And people may get... Uh, I don't know if people haven't seen other people paint, but I've I've seen people paint with their... And this is for people watching the video. I've seen people paint with their arms out here like this, just not balanced on anything. And like, so holding holding them floating in front of just themselves. Just holding and floating in front of you like this and painting. And you tend to move around a lot. Even I move around a lot like that. There's no real way to, to stabilize that. So when I'm painting at my desk, I actually rest both my forearms on my on my table and I lean forwards. And that's where I get a heap of like being steady because you think if you've got weight against your forearm here, there's not really anything moving. Like you're not moving all the way from your, your shoulder to your elbow. Like you're braced against a table like that. The only thing that's moving is your wrist and, and your hand. And then I and then I put both my hands together when I'm painting. So it's another point of contact. Oh, you actually wrist one hand on the other. Yeah. A lot of sometimes it would be a finger on, a, on another finger, but my hands a lot of the time will touch. So it would be two forearms on a table and then hands touching. And if I'm painting off stream and I'm doing my tutorials, I'll even put my elbow into my thigh. So it's elbow on my thigh, forearm onto a table, hands together, which means there's three points of contact on something else. And that means you, you're likely to be way more stable. Well, you, yeah, you're going to be steadier, aren't you? Yeah. Is there any other uh, tips that you thought of from, from your highlighting that, that people might not already know or even alex yourself do you do you brace do you brace yourself when you're when you're painting yeah i brace i i can tell you right now i don't have the best posture while i'm doing so because i'm not working on a desk per se i've got my legs up and i'm bracing against my my thighs pretty similar to how judd was doing yeah um but not necessarily in terms of bracing but in terms of getting better um edge highlighting inside armor panels and trying to not do edge highlights against the hard surfaces, it's a good way to practice to get straight lines just by doing. Using the tip of your brush yeah. for the edge highlight as opposed to the edge of your brush. Yeah. Because you can use the edge for the edges, which is fantastic. You get this nice, consistent, super thin edge highlight, which is really cool when you're at the point that you can do a really thin edge highlight with the tip of your brush. When you can't do the highlight with the tip of your brush, you'll have inconsistent edge highlights because you'll have this super thin edge on um, edge highlight on one edge and then you'll have to do like the inset of something and it won't be as it won't be as consistent which i i, I wouldn't let that put me off like you use, use the edge of the brush where you use the edge of the brush but um like you said learning to use the tip in um a stroke for your edge highlight is that is the hard one yeah yeah, because I have seen people recommending the the style where you use the 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 flat side of the brush. I guess you would say, not the point. Yep. And you're sort of just yeah brushing it against that hard edge. But then yeah, for first edge highlights, you're not going to do that anyway, would you? Well, you could, but the, you won't be able to hit every edge. And if you're doing heavy metal, you want to be doing every edge of the model. Yeah. 
you just I found for me the way I got better was there were certain edges on a space marine that I felt more comfortable doing and it was sort of and I, I'd say it on the stream all the time a good place to start is the little booty plate on a on an intercessor so turn the model around and he's got the two plates that hang over his butt the armor plates they're really, really good areas to start practicing your edge highlights because they aren't super long. And then the legs have some really nice areas to edge highlight because there's like a, the – it's actually got one of the longest edges on a Space Marine down the, um, I guess, the calf, the calf of the Marine. And then there's some curved edges on that as well. So Space Marines are just fantastic for, for getting better at edge highlights. There is some other armies like Tau are very good. But Space Marines have got lots of curves on them as well, which which will just help you improve. Yeah, absolutely. But the shoulder pads are rough. Shoulder pads are I still... Some of the areas I don't like to do are the shoulder pads. And backpacks, they can get... Hate, hate a backpack. Just because of the, the arcs? The uh, it must be. It must yeah. be, yeah. I just yeah. don't like painting backpacks. Yeah. No, I know that about you already. Yep. Um, or grab pads. The other, <laughs> yeah. No, you love grab pads. You paint them all the time. Yeah, I have for the last like seven days on stream. <laughs> yeah, so the other technique I remember you teaching me was one where you've got your whole, you've got your all your forearms braced and everything like that. And then when you're going to do really fine details like eyes or something like that, you're moving, you're almost moving the brush in like a stroke pattern before you're actually touching the model and you're just bringing that closer and closer inching it closer each time until the brush tip actually hits the point that you want yeah and then you can you can move it away yeah that keeps a sharp a sharp line an accurate line yeah and you generally only want to do that in vertical strokes so like you're you're basically almost doing like a, f a flicking motion a very small flicking motion in vertical um up and down mo like you don't want to be doing sideways you'll probably won't have a, a successful um, edge highlight that way or, or detail that way. But when I paint eyes, that's what I do. I'm, I do a constant flicking motion in a vertical and I'll turn the head so I can get, get the eye in, in, a, in a comfortable position. And you want to be moving the brush and the paint before you make contact as opposed to trying to be as still as possible, touching the model and then doing your your stroke to, yeah, to fill the eye. Stabbing, stabbing the tip of the brush into the model first, then yep. dragging the, the highlight or the detail. Yeah. Yeah. You're already moving the brush and it's just a light a light stroke of the of the brush tip on the on the model. Yeah. That's uh that's my edge highlighting ones that I remember. You got any other ones, Alex? Um make sure your paint doesn't dry it while you're doing it. Okay, yeah. Um Quite often, I find while I'm painting, um, I'm edge highlighting for a very long time. So the paint drying out on the brush, like if you're not washing the brush, reapplying uh, wet paint to the brush, um, you can really stuff yourself around trying to edge highlight. Yeah, how much how much paint would you say? Are you putting it for edge highlighting? Are you putting what you'd call consider like a tiny amount of paint on the tip of the brush? Yeah, I, I would probably only fill maybe a third of the brush with the paint yeah. is the best way to really put it. Um, and just constantly reapplying, re-washing re um, the paint off the brush just so that you're not trying to move dry paint. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use Which is difficult in summer, especially yeah. in Australia. It is something 
Uh, I've found probably in the last three days the weather's getting a bit warmer and the the paint is drying out quicker on my brush. So I am naturally cleaning it out and reloading my brush more often. Yeah. Yeah, because I've, 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 when I've been doing like a second edge highlight, I've noticed that I'm getting only a tiny amount of paint on there. But on the warmer nights, it's dry so quickly. Like it becomes very challenging to keep that yep. paint usable. Yeah, and you use even more paint too. Like you end up loading your wet palette up more often because of the fact that your paint's actually drying out on the wet palette quicker, even with a hydrated sponge underneath. How much do you thin your paints when you're, when you're moving into that edge highlighting process? Very minimal, personally. The f- if I'm doing a three-step edge highlight, the first edge highlight, the thickest one, will have a little bit of water in it. But when I get to that final edge highlight, there's very little. Uh, it can vary. depends on the weather. I'll add water if I need to add water. But more often than not, there's very, very little water. And that's because I want a nice solid edge highlight and I don't want to have to go back. Whereas if you thin it, you might have to go back and do a second edge highlight, which over is, the top. It's just a, yeah. yeah, going over the same area is um can make it make a model take longer than you want it to. And this is for painting armies, right? This isn't for doing a display model or entering a painting um, competition. If you're entering a painting competition, you just take as long as you take, and if you need to go back over that edge highlight, you go back over that edge highlight. But I'm trying to paint. 2000 point blood angel army so yeah anyway and i already i already take long enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah speed painter you are not no <laughs> no that's that's awesome um i think that's pretty much it for what i know about edge highlighting i'm sure you boys know a bit more than me no, i think we've pretty much covered it yeah no. it's it's just having that confidence to dive in and do it just even if, if there is a model, you, you're painting Space Marines, right? You're painting Dark Angels. And you're like, I want to get better so I can paint the line. Just get some intercessors, practice on intercessors and improve at that. Like you can always get more intercessors, especially from starter boxes. People, people get rid of intercessors every day. I like intercessors in my list, but... Um, yeah, you should be able to find them pretty easy. So just practice on intercessors and then you can get to the point where you're like, all right, I'm confident enough to to take on the line. Yeah. Yeah, it's all a, it's all a process. Yeah, I think the moral of the story is, yeah, just don't be afraid to to start start something new. Start edge highlighting your models. Yeah, don't have the don't have so much fear of failure that you never start. Try try and overcome that. And the, the, the smaller intro models can help you with that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, another one. So moving on from edge highlighting, I think we've we've done pretty well there. Covered a few points that hopefully... I'll oh, finish can... with a dot highlight as well. That'll make your edge highlights pop. pop. Huge, even if you're doing one for sure. Okay. Dot highlights. I held off on it for a long time. It's like, what would I do that? And then uh, I did my Blood Angel test model and I put dot edge highlights on it and I'm like... That makes a massive difference. <laughs> that makes a massive difference. And now that's why you see all my ultimate guides have dot edge highlights. So there's some areas which I won't do it, but so I won't do it on a vehicle. I won't do dot edge highlights on impulses, repulses, 
the Stormhawk. I didn't do dots on, but a Dreadnought because he's sort of like this walker and he's he's got some character to him. I did dot edge hearts on him. Is there a reason to for, like that you avoid doing them on the ve- the bigger vehicles? They, they've just got so many. They just take ages, and I don't think it makes that much of a difference on a vehicle. Yeah, personally. Um. Yeah. If if I was to do it on an Impulsor. It's just, yeah, it's it's a lot of time. A lot of time that I could be spending on painting other stuff. Yeah. And, it's, and it's also why I don't paint the bottom of my tanks, the grav tanks, because you can't see the bottom. And people are always, there's going to be forever in a day I'll have messages of people being like, oh, the bottom of that impulse is not paint. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I've got, about- I've got two of them painted because I didn't paint the bottom of two of them. <laughs> What about the interiors of rhinos and things like that? Uh, I'll leave that to Alex. <laughs> Paint them. <laughs> um, for me, with interiors in particular, it, like, it was because I know it's there. I know I'm going to be changing out the top hatch of a rhino for a Razorback. You know, people are going to be like, oh, hang on, you painted the inside. Or you want to drop the ramp so you, you know, thematically you're going to put a couple of tactical marines hanging around it as if they're charging out. Yeah. I mean, it makes for fantastic photos. Yeah. Yeah. That was very, very immersive. That when you got the interiors of things painted, um, it's, it's a bit toy soldiers where you're sitting at home with your little plastic soldiers. Yeah, running through scenarios. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, the next tip that we we're going to move on to, uh, we probably missed it with the first one, but it's priming your model. Yep. Now for me, um, especially when I started, I was so excited. I just slapped paint. Straight on. No no thought of primer. Didn't know what a primer was probably, to be honest. Um, but how important is it to prime your models? Uh, the most important. Yeah. <laughs> the most important. I think Games Workshop stores have gotten better now. They potentially uh, never used to ask that question. And I think it got to the point where they didn't ask that question so much now that whenever you walk into a Games Workshop store and buy something... You'll often, uh, I think people will be familiar with this. The 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 person that's working behind the counter will will ask if you've got um, chaos black or primer or glue, because they might have uh, a few years ago been doing that, selling a box and just being like, ah, oh, that happy little kid just walked out with a box and um, you didn't have any primer and then you had a bunch of models that had paint that would just fall off when you touched it, so. Priming is 100% necessary. It's it's made to it's a speci- like a, it's an actual specialty paint that's made to bond to plastic. So your paint can bond to the paint because the the games workshop or well, I don't think if it's a games workshop I think it's most hobby paints aren't designed to stick to plastic. So and you can you can prime in multiple different ways. You can do the zenithal priming that the whole, the Horus Heresy guys use. There's some guys oh, I see on TikTok that are using some Zenithal stuff and doing some really really cool work. You could you could mix it with heavy metal if you wanted to, and you could have some uh, fantastic looking models. But I personally like to because we've touched on it many times. I take so long to paint. I need to find a starting point for my army that is going to mean it's less work. So for my Blood Angels, it's Mephist and Red for a starting point. For my Aldari that I'm doing, 
I could start with Caliban green, but I want a really deep, deep green. So I start with Chaos Black. And I think that can work with multiple, multiple armies. It's picking a primer that is going to make the majority of your army easy to paint. So if you're painting Imperial Fists and you're not doing the... I guess there's a, there's a, there's a way to prime your models with a pink to make a really cool yellow. But if you're wanting to do heavy metal, a really good starting point would be Wraithbone because it's a nice yellowy cream color that you can you can easily paint over with Uriel yellow. So that's uh yeah. Personally, if you're doing heavy metal army the way I like to paint, if you if you're wanting to do what I do on my streams, find a primer that is going to work the best. Um, it's going to mean the least amount of work for your army. Yeah, and by by least amount of work, you mean it. Um it's easy to cover with whatever you're going over the top of. Yeah, for Marines, it's pretty easy because you're like, I'm doing Ultramarines, cool, I get a blue primer. I'm doing Blood Angels, I get the red. I'm doing Dark Angels, I get the green. That's pretty easy. Where When you're doing stuff like Tyranids and uh, a lot of the time Tyranids will have a contrasting paint scheme. So the Carapace will contrast uh, greatly against the, the body of the Tyranid. So Leviathan has the cream base and then their their carapace is like a purpley black. So you need to you need to work out what's going to be more difficult to paint. Is it going to be harder to prime it in black and then paint a cream body over the top or is it going to be harder to paint a black shell or carapace over the cream body? And for me when I did my tutorial I and anyone else that's tried to put any light colors over dark colors it's starting with the light color for your primer. So that's why I started with, I think I started with Wraithbone in that. It may have been Wraithbone or it could have been Gracia. One of the two and then layered up the black on the shell because it would have just been absolute torture going the reverse. So that's something to think about. And um, I think it's probably a good rule of thumb if, if you've got two real contrasting areas on your model it's going to be easier to paint the dark over the light than the reverse. Yeah. And if you're painting Gene Steel Cult, I don't know, I can't help you. They've just got so many colors on them. <laughs> Maybe standard mech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something neutral. Yeah. With um with your first models, Alex, did you know to prime did you know to prime them? So, I didn't have any idea on the priming of the models. Um my first introduction was with a little pot of uh, Imperial Armour Primer. Yeah, yeah, the one you could brush on. Yeah. Yep. Um, at which point someone told me, I can't remember who, you know, you put this on your model first, it's going to make it easier for the paint to stay on. Um, you're not going to have to do two real juicy coats to um, get a solid base. Yeah. Um, before that, like the first model I tried to paint, I think it was die cast. So... That, was, that would have been even worse. Yeah, so if I didn't put primer on it, the paint would just flake off just for the sake of it being die-cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's where it really went, okay, you just prime everything and it's going to be easier to do from there. Yeah. Nice. That's It's good you learned that early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely don't apply primer with a pot though. It's... No, I think, that's, uh, I think that's a thing of the past now. That was sort of something that Games Workshop had around in the 90s. Now you're basically just getting rattle cans and heaps of people are doing airbrush primers because 
it's even thinner than your rattle can. So, yeah, yeah, yeah well, and that's probably a good touch, good point to touch on with priming. Like we know with our work, because we do a bit of painting and things like that through our work, the priming coat is really just a dusting. Correct. You don't need a solid coat. It's really just a dusting. You don't want to add any more thickness to your model than than you have to. So it's yep. really just that adhesion layer. Um, you really, yeah, you don't want to get it. You don't want to get a thick coat on there because it'll just yeah, it'll you, take away the detail. You'll lose all the detail. Yeah, so don't... If, if you're painting Blood Angels, as an example, you've got Mephiston Red and you spray your model, you don't need that Mephiston Red to be 100% solid coverage over the whole model. Uh, unless, of course, you, you don't plan on using any paint, like pot up, pot paint after that. If you're not going up, like I, I recommend whenever you're painting, we'll just say you're Black Legion, you, you, prime, you prime them in Chaos Black. Yep. Yep. And then you paint them with Abaddon Black. Absolutely. And the reason behind that, which is another good tip, is because you're doing edge highlights, you need to do a tidy up step. Or if you need to do a tidy up step, you can't do a tidy up with the the primer because you can't match that black. And Abaddon black to Chaos black is different. Mephiston red primer to Mephiston red pot is different. They're all, they're all different. So I would say that prime your model and then base coat it with the pot paint because you can tidy it up. Yeah. So get that get that dusting on there. Like you don't want to be super light. It doesn't need to be like ridiculously light, but spray your model from the 30 centimeter distance they recommend. And if there's a there's a part of it that's still a little bit gray, but you can still see paint on top of it, that dusting, you're still good. You're good to go. You're good to go. Yeah. That and you're going to varnish it anyway. Yes. Oh, he's teed it up for me as well. How's that for a segue? That's pretty good. So the next the next thing we're talking about is varnishing. So this is another thing that I missed my first time around in the hobby. Um, varnishing serves a great purpose. It gets you the sheen finish you want. So whether you want your model to have a bit of a bit of a shine to it, or pretty much everything you paint now is a matte finish. Yeah, I love. Uh, we're going to get sponsored by them. We've got to hit them up. But I love the Tamiya TS80 flat clear finish. And it's specifically that finish though. It's because there's there's multiple different flats or mats out there. There's a green stuff world max matte. There's very, very matte. But the TS80 is the one I specifically like. Uh, and I'm not sure if Games Workshop are up to the point where they recommend people use varnishes or not. They've got their own varnishes. They are horrid. We just try to get a sponsorship from Games Workshop, but your varnishes are trash. Yeah, they are. They so they're, they're so bad to the point where I, I use them on my knights that are down here with the little Christmas hats. Um, I use them on the smaller ones, so they're not as a flatter finish. But it was a very um, inconsistent varnish to the point where if it was the wrong weather, the wrong temperature you sprayed a little bit too much, it would go cloudy. And I had it destroy one of my models completely. I painted a kill team for Iron Hands and I finished a complete model and sprayed it and it just went cloudy to the point where I had to strip it and restart the whole model, which, you know, when you're 17, 20 hours into a single kill team model, that is 
um, extremely demotivating to the point where I'm so lucky I actually found Tamiya TS-80 because if I didn't and I destroyed another model, I think I would have given the hobby up. Yeah, I think it would have destroyed my motivation to the point where I would have been like, I'm not doing this anymore. And like it's very, it's probably a little bit small-minded because there were there were varnishes out there. I just, I would, for whatever reason, I had my blinkers on when it came to games workshop stuff. And I'm like, this is the only way I can do it. And I still, to an extent, have that mentality because I still use a lot of Citadel. But I have branched out with some Liquitex products and I do have some Vallejo paints. So the, that was a very long-winded answer. Yes, yes. Uh, I, do, I do varnish all my models with, with the Tamiya. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a what, – yeah, what's your go-to? Uh, the same Tamiya rattle can. Yeah. Um, after all the non-metallic coats are done, go on over with that. It's magic. Yeah. It's magic in a can. Really yeah. is. Fantastic. But this this is what you're saying. So I do the same thing. It it it's probably good for pushing your control with a brush. You finish all the non-metallic stuff. You put your transfers on. You varnish it, and then you go back. And you do metallics. And I always chat about him. He's he's in chat right now. Probably tiny. He must uh, be surely. I get. You always get messages saying it's varnish time because I, I get excited for varnish time as well because you know that you're nearing completion. And, yeah, if you were to varnish overview metallics with a flat, you're going you're gonna to wreck. You're going to wreck those metallics for sure. But you could use satin. Here's the thing. You could use a satin and it will benefit. You could just paint your whole model and then use a satin and it would be fine for the metallics and the regular colours. Probably wouldn't recommend using a gloss unless you want to try something wild. Something you want out to, there. You want to try something out there. You want to do some sort of tyranid and it's like a alien xenomorph that's like super shiny and glossy. Then yeah, maybe go down that route. But I'm I'm not that I'm not that experimental. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick in my lane. Yeah, yeah. So you're yeah. What you guys are saying is complete the model. The varnish then ties in all of those. Uh, Standard paints, so they they all look uniform, and then once you've varnished it, you can do the metallics after that because they have that that shinier. They're meant to be shinier. That's yep. the metallics. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the the good thing about the varnish is if you're doing a a shade or a wash over your entire model, and some areas you'll find will dry a little bit glossy depending on the the shade or the wash or the ink you're using, just because of maybe you haven't mixed it up or you've applied a bit too much in one area, that varnish will bring everything back to the same finish. And there's just something about the Tamiya that's magic. It just... Tidy it, up in a can. It just, it for, for whatever reason, fixes those areas to the point where it just, it looks really, really good. And I, I, I don't know about if you do it, but when I'm painting my models, I'll prep for the area that's going to have metallic. So if it's going to be a lead belcher area on a bolt gun, I will paint standard mech grey there. And most of the time if I'm painting a gold, I'll put down XV88 because it A, gives me a good starting point for my metallic and I generally only have to do one layer of it. So if I've got some like armor trim that's gold, paint XV88, finish the model, varnish it and then do retributor armor over the top 
and it'll cover in one go as opposed to two. And the same happens with the, the lead belcher, but it's also a little bit of a fail-safe because if there's an area that's a little bit tricky to get to and you can't reach it with your brush, you've already got the XV88 in there and it's very difficult to see that you haven't painted that area anyway. I did wonder about that because I saw you I saw you using XV88 and I wondered, yeah, what the reasons were behind that. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like a fail-safe as well as being yep. a good starting point for the metallics. Yeah, it's a little bit of a backup plan because when you're doing your it, it's very I wouldn't say it's very difficult. You can you can tidy up after your varnish when you're doing your metallics. Like you said, if you make a mistake, I do the same thing. If I've if I've spread too much metallic in an area, I'll quickly and this is the thing, this is where the brush licker stuff comes from. I'll lick all the paint off my brush. Serious here. And it's acrylic, so it's okay. Don't do it with oil-based paints. But I'll, I'll lick all the paint off my brush and I will, like, try and remove the um, the paint that I've put on an area I don't want it on. And I, I find that quicker than cleaning off my brush and then and then going back to it because I can continually, <laughs> I can continually lick that paint off my brush and come back with a clean brush and keep removing that paint. Yeah. But that doesn't happen that often. You try to be careful with the metallics. I do try and be very, very careful with my metallics. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, they cover really well, don't they? They're, they're Most metallic. Like... Well, yeah, you don't want a thinner metallic. Uh, often um, they recommend that you don't even use it on a wet palette, but I do. Yeah. You don't want to thin them. Unless you're doing... Stuff like my, if you're doing glazes and stuff, then you will. But if you're just doing like a base coat, I wouldn't worry about thinning it unless it's a hot day. If it's a hot day, you probably need to put a little bit of water in it, but metallics will separate and that's why they recommend you don't really thin them. Yeah. Nice one. They're probably worth mentioning. We touched on it in episode two with Mark, um, the separate water pot for the metallics while we're touching on that now. Um uh, Necessity. It's, it's, yeah. Necessity. 100% necessity. Get two, get two water pots. It's just to protect your future projects, isn't it? Or like you're painting later on so that you, you don't end up with metallic flakes all through a model that you're just trying to base coat or something like that. Yeah. And it will happen. Like there will be some colors that you won't pick it up on. But if you're painting Black Legion and you've got like a nice black base coat, you'll see that there's small metallic flecks through it. 100%. Yeah. And it's easy to just keep two separate water pots and clean them regularly. Do it every single hobby session. Every hobby session. And that will make that will help your brushes last longer as well. I think we spoke about that. Clean water. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely clean water between different colours as well. Um, you, and do I, them, you do them in between colours. I only I generally do it if I'm going to a light colour. Yeah. So if if I've been painting a lot of my red. And then I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to do purity seals that are lighter, then I will. Okay, so I didn't know this one. So this is cleaning out between colors. Even yeah. like, do you do every, every color, would you say, or just like? I, I do now religiously, but that's just because of a bad experience when I was painting Metallica where a couple of them have some uh, pink robes on the outside. Well, this this is the th this is the point. The, the lighter colors, yeah. you won't generally have an issue if you're going, If you let's just say you've got a cloudy like creamy white water pot because you've been painting with that. Then you go to red, you'll, you'll be pretty good. But if you go the other way and you're painting red and then you're going to the cream robes. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. I don't like, know why I thought that for some reason. Don't put don't how, don't put your red undies in the wash with your whites. Gotcha. Good tip. Oh, I have to remember that one. Well, that's exactly what that's what happened, to Alex. No. Yeah. Except with his robes on his Metallica. Yeah. Probably no, the undies too, but. <laughs> They were, they were pink to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, so that's a that's a good one for everyone out there. Because, I, yeah, I just thought... I thought the paint pots were like safety. I was like, ah, oh, it's it's just in the water. The brush won't pick that up, surely. But it makes a lot of sense for the really light colors. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much covered covered me. You, you had... Um, you mentioned future-proofing uh... before off-stream. Uh, off stream, I did, and you did a little bit just before. Um, we've made some tutorials that have received equally as much positive feedback as equally as much negative feedback. They're polarizing, uh, I think we say. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, polarizing magnets, magnet tutorials. Yeah. Uh, I like to magnetize armies now, and this isn't everything. It'll be. Small stuff like sergeants or captains, models that can change their war gear, and you can change that war gear with the kit. If it means you need to buy multiple kits, then I'll consider doing a magnetizing. And it's just due, you know, finances. I don't want to buy like three kits just so I can customize like one guy. Yeah, just so unless it's down a, the track. Unless it's a really cool guy. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, magnetizing my armies to have different war gears. This current edition, war gear does not have a point cost. You just put the best stuff on. It just makes sense. Like your captain can have a plasma pistol, a bolt pistol, or a hand flamer. Why would you ever pick a bolt pistol over a plasma pistol when you don't need to pay the points for it? You won't. But in saying that, previous editions, you paid for your war gear. So it was five points for a plasma pistol. Now, when you're building your list, you may not have had that five points for your captain and it may not have been a necessity. You might have a smash captain, yeah, with a big thunder hammer. He's made for combat. You don't really care if he's got a plasma pistol on him or not. So you don't need that extra five points on him. So future-proofing your army not only for future editions where points might come back for war gear, which I think they will. Um, but future-proofing units as well. So what I mean by future-proofing units is if you've got some units that can have multiple options, I'm trying to think of one that you could potentially do. I can't think of one off the top of my head. But let's just say one addition... Um, Combi weapons are really good on Terminators for Chaos. They're like really, really good. And you want to have combi weapons on all your t Chaos Terminators. But the next edition, Stormbolters are really good. Magnetizing those means that you've got one unit and you can switch your weapons and you don't need to paint more of them. So future-proofing is meaning you're painting less as well. Yeah, that's like, that's future proofing. That's future proofing. Have you have you done much magnetizing with your mm, armies? Not really. Um, I tend to make my armies obsolete with each tradition. It yeah. seems to be. Um, like even my forge fiends, I've glued them all in place. 
fuck, that's a plan that that way for me. But that's just the way I am. Yeah. Um, There's some great tutorials online if you ever need them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So you haven't you haven't mucked around with magnet? Uh, not much. too much. I really wish I did. Yeah. Um, particularly with the Metallica guys. Yeah. Like I've got a plasma cavalier in where I might want the arc rifle. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. Um, but that might be something I look into much more down the track when I'm not trying to just paint this list up. The Skatari is a good example of future proofing because when the Skatari first came out in a 10 man squad, you used to be able to put three special weapons into a unit and the three special weapons could have all been the same because yeah. for a long time people were hunting down, it's going to be tough to say, Transaronic Archibus. People wanting three in a unit because they were really good. Or if you were doing the Vanguard guys, they had a shorter range weapon, so you might want to have three of the Plasma Cavalier on them. This edition, you can't do that. You have to have one Plasma in a unit. You need to have one Arc Rifle and you can only have one Transronic Archibus. So you're future-proofing your army by... And it's very, diff, don't, it's very difficult to future-proof um, Skatari. You have to find some very, very small magnets which you can do for sure, you can do for sure. Um, but it's, yeah, it just means less painting. just means less painting. Yeah. Because let's let's say next edition points come back. I've got my 2,000-point list I'm really, really happy with. And then I've got a plasma pistol on my, my jump pack captain and he can't have it. And you go to a tournament and you need to be WYSIWYG. Oh, I'm going to have to paint another captain, aren't I? Or somehow remove an arm that I've glued on. Yeah. But I don't need to do that because my smash cap is magnetized. And you can vehicles are very easy to mag- magnetize and they're probably the ones that benefit the most because you can have uh, Lehman Russes for Astra Militarum. You can have basically all the different turrets if you wanted to. And it does take some time. But think about how much time it takes to paint a whole new tank. Totally, yeah. Instead of just the the front of a turret. Yeah, the amount of painting time you would be saving with vehicles would be amazing with that type of stuff. And some vehicles now you don't need to magnetize. They're just, you can push bits in. My Dreadnought has got, uh, the Brutalis has got two weapons in the in the chest of it, which can just pull in and push out and they'll stay there. You could magnetize if you wanted to. So it's, I guess, a bit more sturdy, but some stuff you don't need to. But it's something you should look into. Check out battleforgegaming.com. Um, no, actually on YouTube, check out Battleforge Gaming. And there is a two, simple tutorial there of how to do it. It's basically just a pin vice. You get a pin vice drill, one mil bit, two mil bit, three mil bit, and you set. Get some get some little magnets. Yeah. You can find them easy on like Etsy and eBay and all types of places like that. It can go wrong if you're not careful though. You can. I've heard you can you can break models trying to drill holes through them. Chaos Marines specifically, because of the way they're constructed nowadays, the back area is <laughs> glued onto the uh, the other back area, so you just need to be careful. There may be a video of that on YouTube as well. There is a, there is a video, yeah. I jumped <laughs> straight from a one to a three. Yeah. And uh, embrace corn. Yeah. Yeah. Did a little bit of mischief. The people loved it. They, they loved watching you fail. <laughs> it's good. Hey, there's no such thing as bad content. No, that's right. 
I mean, there is. There definitely is. Oh, I mean, there is. <laughs> <laughs> nah. But yeah, so I think that's that's pretty much nailed it for me with the the tips around two. Is there anything you've got for that you wish you knew before you started? Like anything that stood out, someone could have just tapped you on the shoulder and be like, Alex, do this. Um, one would definitely be how to do transfers. Yeah. Um, okay. Like I wasn't ever shown how to do transfers. So I would always go out, get the upgrade sprues for ultramarines as an example. Like instead of getting a transfer, which is nice and easy now, now in hindsight. Tell you what, it's easier to do a transfer than it is to paint a like an embossed shoulder pad for sure. Yeah. Like those, like some of the fancy shoulder pads look really good. I love a transfer, love a transfer. And the ones that come out now are just fantastic. Absolutely. Like they've got like really sort of ornate ones coming out and fingers crossed blood angels get one. I think they will because the black Templar got one. So if dark angels, because I think the dark angels, the next space Marine codex coming out, if they get some cool upgrade kits and cool transfers, then for sure everyone else is getting them in terms of Space Marines. I give us I don't care about other chapters. I don't care about other armies. <laughs> Just Space Marines. Yeah. So how were you doing your transfers at the, at that time? I wouldn't do them. Oh, okay. You, yeah. you just didn't do transfers. Yeah. So the only okay. way I would customize is um brass etch. Yeah. Or um the upgrade sprues with the upgrade shoulder pads. What's brass are, etch? It was literally um, laser cut brass that you could fold onto a shoulder pad and glue it down. Is that is that was that from Games Workshop? Forge World. That was Forge World. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, Games Workshop had some yeah, brass they stuff. Had but some. It was like terrain with leaves for yeah. bases and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But Games Workshop used to, and this is this is probably something that Games Workshop need to work on. We can have a chat. We can talk about it. Um, Just get, contact you. Get yourself a transfer softener, like. I uh, understand there's probably some sort of issue when it comes to kids and purchasing certain products and stuff like that. But the way they used to tell people to do like an ultramarine U of splitting it in half with a, with a knife yeah. is just diabolical. Like it's insane. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they did that. Get yourself a decal softener. Uh, Microsoul, Green Stuff will make a decal softener. Vallejo make one. Uh, someone comes in chat often and says you can do a 50-50 mix of white vinegar and water and it'll do the same thing. Oh, wow. If you're going to try that, um, take caution because I'm not sure. I haven't done it myself. Yeah. Don't send you an angry message if it doesn't work. Don't send me an angry message if it doesn't work. But people have said it does. So, And when you when you were first... When you weren't doing the the transfers, was that because you were concerned about doing them, or you just didn't know about them? That was, I suppose, my afraid step. Like yeah. With um, where you guys were touching on edge highlighting, I wouldn't touch transfers because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I think the fear was justified because I didn't know about Microsol either, and I would apply transfers, and they would get these little creases through them, and I'd be like. Spending all this time on this model to make it look really good. Then I'm applying this transfer and it's got creases through it. What is going on? Yeah. But um, I'm glad I discovered Microsoft. I think it, I think it actually might have been through the man himself, the god of Horus Heresy, 
Raptor Imperialis that I saw using it. So Yeah, he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> Just a couple. He's a wizard. Yeah, one of those wizards we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Microsoul, for those that don't know, uh, that's something you, you apply to the transfer first prior to trying to place it on the model? Well, there's multiple ways to do it. There's uh, You can paint the area with Microset, which as far as I know is just a gloss clear, which a, a glossy clear area is really good for transfers to bond to. And then you... It's are, a high energy surface, I guess. It is a high energy surface. People are going to be like, what the hell are you guys talking about? And it's a work thing. <laughs> um, the insider sign nation jokes. Yeah. Oh, we're dropping names now. <laughs> Uh, I should so, have said sign writing jokes. <laughs> um, so microsol it softens it softens the decal and helps remove the clear around the edge of it, as well as get it to contour to the edges. And so it's really good for Space Marine shoulder pads. The Imperial Knights here, the checkers on this guy down here are transfers. Like it's insane. That was a flat transfer that I put there. I freaked out when I did it, but I was like, I've just got to try it. What's the worst that can happen? Um, I'll just repaint it. So there, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. How I do it is I will apply transfer to the shoulder pad of a Space Marine and I'll let it like set and cure for a little bit so it doesn't shift around. And then I'll apply Microsol to the whole inside of the shoulder pad and, and let it contour to the, to the shoulder pad. And if it doesn't work the first go, I'll flood the area again with a second lot. And if it doesn't work that time, I'll do a third. And usually by the third, it's it's flattened out real nice. And then you come back with that sweet, sweet Tamiya TS80 flat clear and it and it just brings everything together. You lose all that clear around the edge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid of don't be afraid of transfers. They add to your model. They will complete a space marine. You know, you can paint a fantastic blue ultramarine. Uh, unless he's got a U on his shoulder pad and the arrow on the other one, like you, it will add so much to your model. Squad markings, massive, massive. Because apart from that, you've just got like a blue marine and that's one of my sort of pet peeves. People will see it on my stream. I'll be painting red blood angels and I'll be like, I need something on that knee. I need to break all this red up. I need stuff to, you know, liven this model up because otherwise that can look a little bit bland. Transfers, fantastic for that. Yeah, that's a fantastic tip, I think, because I completely forgot how much transfers add to completing a model, giving it character, 100%. Well, you haven't even started, like, applying the transfers to your ranges yet. Wait till you start putting, like, the little squad markings on the ranges. They just liven, they just liven the models up a bunch. Yeah. You, actually, you got the transfers for the metallic stuff, didn't you? Uh, no, I missed out. When I was introduced to AdMech, I missed that bandwagon altogether, unfortunately. Those limited transfer sheets, yeah. such a pain in the ass. They're so good. What was this? Games Workshop release series of, of limited transfer sheets. Metallica had one. Yeah. Blood Angels had one. Ultramarines had one. Dark Angels, Space Wolves. There was an Imperial Knight that came out that was part of the Freeblade game. Forget what the name is of that household, but it was Tyrannus. No, not Tyrannus. I can't remember. Anyway, it was such a nice game and they had transfers for it, but it's only a limited time. So if you didn't get them, you can't get them now. 
right. and, it, and it's annoying as like yeah <laughs> yeah I've, the blood angel ones i i've got this bad habit of not using certain transfers because i'm like oh i want to save that really cool transfer for something cool bro you're painting something cool right now put that transfer on it don't say like what do you yeah. i keep being i'm, I'm like oh, well that's going to be better on on this but I might not ever paint something different. You're just hoarding. Uh, yeah, I'm literally hoarding transfers. It's it's a real bad habit, which I've, I've started to to break. Like I use some cool stuff on the repulsor that I'm doing right now. So nice one, beautiful. Don't hoard transfers. That's another tip. <laughs> <laughs> just get that last tip in there. Yeah, don't hoard transfers. Fantastic. Use the cool transfers on the cool models you're painting right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, that, that brings us to the end of episode seven. I just want to mention thank you very much for everyone that's tuned in today. So close to Christmas. Uh, if you're enjoying what you're watching, enjoying what you're hearing, make sure you like our video, like our, like our, uh, like our episode on Spotify. It helps massively for the growth of our channel and so we can keep doing what we're doing. Um, if you don't, I'm not going to deliver your presents. That's yeah. what's gonna happen. One elf, one elf down. Yeah, two elves down. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> nah, but in all Santa, ser- Santa's gonna be busy. In all seriousness, yeah. the the amount of uh, interactions we get if if we get um, thumbs up, like just watch the video and thumb it, give us a thumbs up, like it's pretty easy. Our some of our um, like percentages are down below ten percent, so. I'd, yeah. lo- I'd love to see what it would be if, if we had a like percentage of 25% and how we get pushed. And like you said, the more interactions we get, the more love we get, the easier it is for us to do it. Um, I love to motivate people. Everyone else motivates us. So the more you give us a thumbs up, the more you react. The, the more we do. The more we want to do, the more we can do. Totally. So. Totally. Thank you very much to Alex for joining us again. Thanks for having me Good back. Good having you back. Round two. Before yeah. you go though, what's next? Like after ARC, have you got any hobby plans? Are you going to paint up 2,000 points to be on a Battleforge Gaming battle report? We need to work out a better name than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a mouthful. BFGBR. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is that I, something you do? I could expand on the Black Legion, but I've had a bit of a, a rekindling on some Shark Boys. Are you going to do some? I think I'm going to finish that force. Oof. With I the mean, new Terminators in particular. The new Terminators yeah. look sick. Do you know what? Forge World just released some images of some apothecaries for the Horus Heresy. And uh, I believe they're fine cast. I'm not sure if they're plastic, but they're rescaled. So they haven't got them short limbs. One of the apothecaries is a Mark V. Now, I know that the Kakarodons love their Mark V. Is that something you would look at potentially doing instead of using intercessors? Would you use Mark V stuff if Horus Heresy came out with boxes of it? I've definitely got a couple of boxes of some uh, Mark V jump packs as well. Nice. Love to hear yep. it. It's the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> How good. How good. When so, are we going to see some Mad Mech? I guess I'll pretty soon, I think. I think I'm going to start 
cracking into that stuff very shortly. Finish some ranges first. Is that the plan? Straight into ranges, yeah, I think so. They're they're my favourite, so I think I'll just just jump straight into them. Um, and rumor then, has it, rumor has it, there could be a Forge World Mars Ultimate Guide in the works. Yeah, and this has come about because Mike has asked me to write down a recipe list, and I was like, "Well, I might as well just paint it while I write the recipe list." So, yeah, I've got I've got some time off for the next two and a half weeks. And I'm finishing off a white scar ultimate guide. And who knows, if I get super motivated, there might be a few ultimate guides for Mike to edit. I thought I was pushing enough to sneak the the Admech Mars tutorial in between the white scars and the uh and the Death Watch, but I obviously wasn't pushy enough. I should have I should have I should have pushed harder on that. Well the white scars past fifty percent now, so Yeah. That'd be cool. I'm Personally, I mean, I might be one of the few, but I'm hanging for a, an ultimate guide on AdMech. I think I'd find that pretty helpful. <laughs> the AdMech players are few and far between, but I think that's a good thing, oh. personally. I think it's really good. Having an army that not many people play is um, really cool for yourself because you can feel like it's a little bit snowflakey. You can feel a little bit unique because there's not many people out there playing them. And there's also the fact that people don't know what they're playing against. So this podcast has been a massive ad, um, advocate for AdMech. We've got two, two AdMech players right now. The flesh is weak, guys. <laughs> hey, I painted some riser. Come on. Oh, three. Yeah, everyone. Nah, fantastic. We'll see plenty of AdMech popping up left, right and center now. Yeah. I mean, I uh, yeah, I've got so many projects. I'd love to do some AdMech, but just got so much on. No, no, you get you got you, you got to pick your battles. That's it. You got to pick your battles for sure. But yeah, that uh, that brings us to the end of episode seven. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone from from us here at Battleforge Gaming. And we'll see you in two weeks' time for episode eight. We've already got a guest, and we've got a guest. Actually, in I, think, as well. I, I think we've got three guests in a row already planned out. So, so organized. Yep. Look at us go. Thank you so much, guys, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. See you, guys. See ya. See ya.